Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. He has a last name too. Hello, friend. I'm a person. Yeah. <laughs> I just imagine you like standing on top of like a platform with your like like fists on your not hips milk crates in a pose. Yeah. I'm a person. Yeah, that's what I imagine. That's what everyone can imagine because I'm the only person seeing you right now. How are you doing? I'm good. How are we? Is this going to be our last pod before the the basketball starts happening for real? Potentially. We'll see how Tuesday and Wednesday go and Monday, which we're going to get into right now. We're probably going to have to pod. (laughs) We probably are going to have to podcast. Correct, Mr. Zimmerman. Uh, Like I said last week, we're going to run through some of the storylines surrounding the team. Um, I, I don't think we're going to get too deep into a lot of stuff because we've hit on a lot of this stuff already. And especially for me, if you guys haven't been able to tell... I'm extremely high on this team, and I'm much higher than the consensus. Uh, you went off last last podcast. You yes. went off. I, I, kind of fair. Thank you. You had good evidence. You were ready. Thanks, buddy. You know, you got to be when you're... As I learned by being the person who was often lower than yeah. most, <laughs> you got to have it ready, and it's the same when you're higher than most. Um, let's hope Suns fans are feeling high after Monday, Kevin. Mm. Because the deadline for rookie extensions is on Monday at 3 p.m. Is it Eastern or Pacific when you told me That's 3? 3. Our, our time. time. Arizona yeah. time? Okay. 6 if you're on the East Coast. For those of you East Coast listeners, I know we got a couple. If you're one of our uh, listeners, international listeners, Couldn't you're out of you. luck. Sorry. Google it. <laughs> you got you to look for yourselves. Um, so, we don't have deals yet. I am of the same mindset I was a couple weeks ago where I just find it easier not to be panicking right now. And most of the fan base is panicking or is worried. At the very least, everyone seems worried. And some are outright panicking. I do not blame anyone for any of that. But uh, Bigley and Murata were very surprised earlier this week when I told them I expect both to get done still. And they were they were surprised. That's and- more crazy than your... Suns are going to be the best team in the West, I think. But continue. It seems like everyone is, I'm, I'm alone on this, yeah, that everyone is, I don't want to say buying in because that makes it sound like you guys are just wrong, <laughs> but everyone is taking the way that things have unfolded so far from our our perspective, which have been bad signs, admittedly, and don't feel optimistic about these deals getting done. They are contract extensions for DeAndre Ayton and Mikel Bridges. We can quickly explain, well, we'll get into it, why it's a good thing or why it's a bad thing if they, if they sign, if they don't sign them. It's mostly bad things if they don't sign them, to be honest. It's pretty much all bad. Um, we heard from DeAndre Ayton for the first time. Uh, we were not able to speak to, with him for about a week when we were trying to, trying to talk to him. Uh, and then we were able to talk to him this week. When we spoke with him, he said he was really disappointed and he just wants to be respected like his peers. I thought he was very well-spoken and he was honest, and we talked to Mikel Bridges today, and he, same thing. I thought that he was very honest, and I thought that something I said on um, Bigley and Murata was that I think it's really easy for you to speak in this kind of situation and come across as selfish because you're talking about me, you're talking about how much money you deserve and all that kind of stuff is going to come up. 
and it's easy to come across as selfish, but neither guy did. Neither guy just, again, started with they love it here and they want to stay here. Uh, it's just a matter of everything else sorting itself out without really them either of them really getting into the nitty-gritty that much. There was a TMZ report that Sarver and Aiton met up on Monday. With pictures. Evening with pictures. Drinks. Drinks being had. Aiton talked the next day, which was probably the most interesting part of that report coming out, was that that was when we heard from DeAndre. So it's not like DeAndre said that stuff and then there was like a dinner that took place after. It's like, no, he felt that way after the conversations with Sarver, which you have to assume were mostly about these extensions it's interesting that that is the meeting taking place and i think dan bickley had a really good point on this where it's like we're hearing sarver say like james and them are going to handle it and then we hear deandre say his agents and them are going to handle it when it's deandre and sarver meeting together uh what is your whole takeaway with where we're at right now kevin which is just under 72 hours away from the deadline with neither deal done yet for from what we know yeah i i don't think any of the availabilities changed i mean i don't think sarver meeting with da changes anything i thought um the the most interesting part to me was bobby marks in the most unlike bobby marks way on his instagram account was basically like you should sell the team if you don't get one of these guys or both of these guys extended this offseason and um i i think his little rant that he teased um, an article he will write if the Suns don't sign a player to an extension is basically that Mikel is the big one, and I think we both said that already. Look, DA's going to get the max or something close to it. Um, the the worst he's case... He's getting the max. Okay. I Sorry. Yeah. He, he is but, either getting the max right now or he is going to get it from another team next summer, and then it's up to the Suns if they want to match it or lose right. him for absolutely nothing. So... I mean, I guess in, in that right, respect, but, yeah. I think that's going to be the amount. It doesn't matter whether you do it now, whether you have to match, whether he gets a restricted free agency or not. Mikel's the big one where it's like, if you are quibbling over a couple million now and someone overpays and backloads it, frontloads it, however they see your salary cap to, to get you, that's where it's going to burn. And and considering Mikel's value, that that's really going to hurt a lot more and you're going to put yourself in a lot worse luxury tax position because again this team's going to be in the luxury tax in a couple of years no matter what unless you just want to blow it up for some reason that we can't why would you want to blow up a team that just won two games from winning the nba title we don't know so it, it does that's young raise red flags when executives around the league like in woge's report told him like we thought you know, DA would get the max. Mikel would get extended to, you know, it's going to be expensive, but it's it's worth it. And and Bobby Marks also brought up, look, Chris Paul opted out of his deal this year. You, you can be under the tax this year. Um, campaign didn't sign a super crazy long-term deal. It looked pretty good on paper. So those guys gave you money to work with to keep this thing rolling, to keep this team together. And we're a couple days out and nothing to show for that. Mark's like admitted he's a guy who's typically leans towards the front office when he says stuff and he was like he admitted that he's like that and he said even then he was like very critical of the Suns front office in a world where they potentially don't get this done I'm gonna try and come at it as level-headed as I can here which is difficult uh, for a lot of different reasons because of how simple and logical this is Mm -hmm. number one when you assemble a basketball team and you are rebuilding if you've got two really good young players out of it, you're in a really good spot. You're in a, you're you're taking that outcome 10 times out of 10. If you get 3, you're cooking. 
Like now you're talking about, okay, we are going to be able to contend for a while if we keep these guys together. Kevin, if you get four, <laughs> if you get four really good young players out of a rebuild, you're looking at like you can start thinking like, oh man, can we get a title here? Can we get two? That's where the Suns are at. I think they have four really good basketball players right now. So that is, if I offered that to the Suns for an office right now, six years ago, five years ago, whenever Book got drafted and said, okay, five years from now, you're going to have four really good young players. Of course they would take that. You take that knowing you have to pay the really good basketball players who are young and still have developing to do like they are really good young players who are young and still have some developing to do. It has been a thing in rookie contract extensions that the Suns have been doing now for 15 years now. They've got an understanding of what rookie extensions are and what they mean. Kevin, is there a team that Mikel Bridges wouldn't start on in the NBA? The answer is no. He would start on every single team. Even the Nets, even the Bucks, even the Lakers, all these teams. You can look at a team like the Celtics that has Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They would find a way to fit him in the starting lineup. He can play the two. He can play the three. If you don't sign Mikel Bridges now, I don't know, man. I have no idea. See, that's why. Yeah. It's because some team is not only going to give him more money than the Suns would want to give him, some team might go crazy and give him the max. And people are going to hear that and say, are you out of your mind thinking Mikel Bridges is a max player? No, no, no. That team probably doesn't even think that he's a max player, but that team is so starved for talent that they look at Mikel Bridges and realistically say, are we going to have a better chance at getting a guy this good in his role for what he is and getting a guy that fits perfect next to our young point guard? Every team has a, a good young point guard, it seems like now. Our developing bigs, that glue guy, are we going to have a better chance to find one of these guys and get him for the next three to four years? The answer is probably no. You are not going to have a better opportunity than offering him. I'm not saying some team will, but it would not surprise me if some team offered him the max or just near the max next summer if he got there because of the value in his role. Again, he was one of the best shooters in the league last year. He was one of the best defenders in the league last year. And if he starts to get going as a scorer a little bit this year, which I wrote about, which we've talked about a lot on here, how, why else isn't he a max guy? Yeah. I mean, I think the the only pushback on that, I'd say, is the teams that would value Mikel the most are not teams that are going to have the money to pay him that much. Um, you're looking at teams that just are like, hey, Mikel, you could be our number two, number three score, number one, maybe if it's a really bad team and they would have that money. Um, I, I'm trying to think of a team that's in a good salary cap position that would be able to pay him that much. And, and that doesn't exist again because good teams are built where you have to go in the tax. And going back to what we're talking about and the sacrifice as far as financials is look at the top teams in the league. How many guys are, do they have who are just getting flat paid, you know, 18 mil and up, let's say, mm-hmm. as your top, say, four players? Uh, Lakers easy example like we can talk about their fit whatever is bad but they got dudes on that team and then you fill it in from there uh warriors have three dudes they're trying to find a fourth and and andrew wiggins money wise is the fourth really um you can go down the list obviously nets um celtics um but to me like that's why the the bridges thing is just the no-brainer where that's my cutoff point where 
I think you can easily say this is a good offseason or a bad. Obviously, we're trending toward good just because of Chris Paul and campaign coming back, but I do think that I'm not going to be super like, oh, man, they screwed up if they didn't pay DA because I think Uh, the money's not going to matter. If you really want to see him play again, go for it. Um, If you get to the trade deadline, I I don't think you can trade him anyway because that's still a big commitment that a team would have to make. But Mikel... Mikel's the one where it's like, uh-oh, this team is not ready to play, pay the fourth guy what he's worth and keep this thing rolling. That's that's where the cutoff is for me at the end of this, uh, at the end of Monday. Yeah. You're driving down the street, Kev. Yeah. You see that guy spinning signs. Mm-hmm. Imagine there's a large flashing sign. No one's looking at him. No one ever looks at those guys. He's I'm holding up right now. a flashing sign? I'm, I would look at I'm it. I'm holding <laughs> it up right now with what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Next. Okay. Taking DeAndre and out of the cons- out of consideration, would you rather have Mikel Bridges or anyone else that could be a restricted free agent coming up? So that's Jaron Jackson, that's Miles Bridges, that's Colin Sexton. I don't know, but not those guys. No. Would you rather have Mikel Bridges or Bradley Beal? Mm-hmm. Who would you rather pay? I'd rather pay Mikel Bridges because it's less money. Would you rather pay Mikel Bridges or Zach Levine? Mikel Bridges. Would you rather pay Mikel Bridges or T.J. Warren? Mikel Bridges. Would you rather pay Victor Oladipo or Mikel oh, Bridges? No. That's a free agent class next year, Kevin. Ooh. Like he's Beal, a top he's a top five free agent next year if he goes. hundred percent. Beal doesn't that, make that much sense. Top five but, available. Yeah, Beal doesn't make sense. I like Beal a lot, but well, you're I, talking about quality. I'm not saying and from value. a Suns perspective. I'm saying okay. like looking at oh. the ranking the free agents. Oh. Yeah, I mean I'd I'd pay Beal over Mikel. Yeah. You'd pay Levine. Levine's Levine put up star Mikel. numbers the past yeah, two. But, but is he the third best free agent available after that? TJ Warren, Otto Porter, Robert Covington, Kyle Anderson, Yusuf Nurkic, Jonas Valanciunas, Blake Griffin, Serge Ibaka. Mm. There are some options that, that I'm not mentioning either that could come up and it could be a suddenly little bit better free agent class. It's a terrible free agent class. He'll be a top five free agent next year if he wait. It depends who else out. signs too. Like maybe Jaron Jackson. I don't know. Yeah. He's not done enough for me. He's top five though, right? Yeah. That's a problem. Pay him now. Just get it. It's not that I... That's, that's what the other thing. It's like... I would be curious what has been on the table for Mikel, actually. Because if it's... If, he, if his agents are going after, like, 26, then you can be like, okay, well, that's... I would maybe argue it's not going to get much higher, even if he has a really good year. But, man, I, I don't think people are that out of touch. I don't think his people are asking for close to a max, is what I'm saying. No. And if they are, then I a little bit understand more. If they're asking for 100, you would do it, right? For 100, 25 a year? Yeah. I think you have to. That's where you start cutting off, I think. But My, my other point that I was going to get to, and I won't go on a longer spiel here, is you, you just can't nickel and dime with these guys. You can't nickel and dime with premium young talent in this league because teams don't have it. Detroit is salivating at the chance to offer Mikel Bridges $27 million, twenty whatever it is. You think the Houston Rockets won't like go after that with the lack of talent that they've got? Oh, that'd be fun. Orlando's kind of <laughs> capped out, I guess, but like looking at the bottom teams in the league, it's like, of course they would. Yeah. I don't know what Sacramento's cap situation is right now. They've got some money going with like Buddy and Fox and, and all those guys. They just brought back Rashawn, but Oklahoma City? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they would give him... That that's the only thing though. It's like they should, but are they ready? 
You are. For a player like that, you are. I think they are. I hope the Suns are ready to to pay him before he gets I'm just to saying the, the, the Suns have market. a lot more reason to pay him a lot more than those teams even yeah, that's why yeah. I think that's it's it's such a no-brainer I guess is what I'm saying yeah I, that's my whole spiel on Mikel I, I believe and I'm not 100% true that this that the CBA rule is is basically okay Wendell Carter just got four years 50 million dollars from uh the magic oh good for Wendell <laughs> they got a nice little look at him Makes sense. You want to keep him around. Obviously, they they knew that was coming. When you when you make that kind of trade, you've got to keep the guy. So yeah, so it's fair. He's got potential. It could really suck in two three years, but I mean, got that pay is him. that is the market. Again, Andrew Wiggins like Max. Like you but just that that's also the thing. You pay Wendell Carter, who's struggled to find a foothold in this league. That money. What is that math? Me. Um, twelve million dollars, twelve and a half. Oh yeah, that's a really good deal. Like when the salary cap expands and you take the risk. Okay, what if he finds his role? Is then he worth suddenly, twelve and a half right now? No. Is he worth no. twelve and? A, could he be expand being worth oh, yeah. more than twelve and a half by the third, fourth year of that deal? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. He couldn't. He could by the end of this year. What if he's? Yeah. If he's an NBA starter, then yeah, you're in good spot. Yeah. So I. It, DA is a lot more obvious to me, and I really do not get the conversations surrounding, well, they don't, if they're looking at it like a prove it thing, like you need to prove to us you're worth the max, I don't understand what that means. I don't. And you were talking to the person who sat on this podcast for three years talking about how he can't get going versus Moses Brown and Al <laughs> I've sat here and talked about that for three years, but if you watch what he did in the playoffs, look, if he plays like that in the regular season... I don't care. As long as it comes in the playoffs, I yeah. don't care. <laughs> you, you cannot care. He was a top three center in the league in the playoffs. It's, Rondo, yeah. You so pay Rondo. If you're looking for that guy to prove it, okay, let's let's Play let's take a game. walk down Play this. The game. Da, let's turn right when I want to turn left, Kevin. Let's go down that road, okay? <laughs> let's say you want him to prove it. What if he doesn't prove it, Kevin? What if we're two months in and he's he's regressed? Then we're we're you, asking the same question. We're right. Do you have to trade are. him? Because you know you don't want to give him the max now, even more than you did before. But you can't trade him then. But you have to trade him, or else you'll lose him for nothing in restricted free agency when some other team gives him more money than you're willing to give them. Because again, premium young right. talent. There is a team that's going to give him a max unless there is an injury. Or it's just a down something unforeseen happens in his fourth season, and I'm not just talking like he he doesn't he not Play plateaus well maybe or whatever or like whatever I'm trying to say he doesn't regress but maybe he regresses a little bit whatever some team is going to give him the max regardless it's how size works in this league he's going to get the max so now you can lose him for nothing if you don't match that's why you have to talk about trading him in December if you don't like what you've seen two months in and you're not going to get anything so now you're going to blow up a team. Take your second, not your second, your third, fourth best player. Take the guy who is supposed to be the number two, basically, to Devin Booker for the next five years and trade him mid-season. That's the situation you're putting yourself in by potentially not paying him. If you don't want him, just trade him. Why, why is not, this debate happening? Do you not want him? They're not going to get anything for him. If, like At this point, it's basically you're tanking any trade value and you're... You, what you just said to simplify that will someone give him the max the answer is yes so you should just give him the max 
It's right? it's less than the max <laughs> that they can give him now, so they'd be saving money again. But again, Kevin, do not nickel and dime with premium young talent. You do not do that. The Suns have sold their G League team and had Disney on ice during the Mercury game. Okay. Hopefully it was the most mad I get about this because... Little this fired, is a team that little has... fired up. I don't want to. I don't want to go any further next week. I would really not like to do that. <laughs> really wouldn't like to do that. <laughs> this is a team that has nickel and dimed things before. Let's be a little bit more uh, uplifting, okay. Kevin, and talk about a fantastic basketball team that is going to be returning next year. Kind of going to go through a brief checklist here of main storylines that we're looking at with this team that don't include extensions and stuff. I think the first place that I want to start, actually, I, I know it's the second bullet point I sent you, but. Where are you at with, we talked about this a, a lot last week, so we don't have to go much into it, but where are you at in terms of where you believe Devin's stature is in the league and where Chris's stature in the league and how you look at them as a duo compared to other duos in the league? Because to me, I'll, I'll start in it because I said this last week, I think they're two top 15 players in the league, and I think it's one of the, I guess Brooklyn and LA, you would rather take. And then you talk about like, okay, Jokic and Murray or Giannis and Chris. It's like, how much does the super duper star weigh compared to like Embiid and Simmons and whatever. But they are one of the top two duos in the, like the pairs. They're one of the top pairs in the league. Where, where are you at with them and, and Chris and his age and how he, how he looked and things like that? I mean, I think if you look at in a vacuum value, I could say Chris is maybe top 20, not top 15. I think I'm lower on him as mostly as a defender really i think offensively he's as good as he's always been somewhere around there defensively i think a lot of things were overlooked because of how important he is to this team and that's you know on ball defense he's not quite there i think i shot you a a graph um from kurt goldsberry that was like points per possession when you're the closest defender and he actually was like pretty bad um and that's obviously certain situations inflate that that type of deal and i think i'm higher on devin booker um but again like that's chris paul's impact is like coach on the floor that's really cliche to say but like the impact he makes more than makes up for like okay he's not that good on defense he can't drive to the rim and score at the cup because he's old like there are flaws there but I, I think just value-wise for this team, obviously, that's easily top 15. And book and books just, I, I think book's top 15, flat out. Good defender now. Prove that in the playoffs. We talked about this last week, I think. Oh, you went on a rant, I believe. I got a spiel counter. I can't do too many <laughs> spiels, Kevin, or we'll be here for hours. Yeah. Let's combine that talk into short break, ramp up, injury. <laughs> Yeah, are you all right? There's a water bottle right there if you need. If you are so concerned with when teams are healthy and when they are now, why are we not talking about the same with every single team? Don't get it. Why is this not coming up with the Lakers of all teams? I do not hear this disgust. I hear Anthony Davis at the five. Westbrook, how does does he screen for him? I do not hear Anthony Davis has played 80 games the last two years. Like I don't hear... That is weird, yeah. It's Those guys are also so, going to have to carry that a lot more. So than the- to go into that conversation in a way that I would like to, do you believe the Suns have the measures in place to cover 
for guys when there are injuries. If you look up and down the roster, I guess we can start with Chris because he is the 36-year-old. My um, radar kind of went off a bit when Alfred Payton got signed and made me believe that, okay, perhaps Chris could like sit out 10, 15 games this year. Like That wouldn't be crazy to assume considering the workload on him. Also, the three- and four-year co- the four-year deal that he's on that could be for four years, most likely three. Do you feel like this team has sustainability to not lose ground if they sit out guys, if they have an injury where a guy misses three weeks here and there? Uh, I think that we both have the same answer is that like Book is like the one guy for yeah. sure where they just they just can't lose him for more than six weeks. But if he if he sat for four to six weeks, I think they would be okay enough to like remain afloat. Yeah. But in terms of like rocket ship taking off, like that's where you worry. Are you with me? Is there anyone else? Because I think with no. campaign specifically, I think they'd be okay. And Book, if if Chris were to miss time, I mean, is Mikel actually would throw things off a bit if you oh, lose him just because. Yeah. You put more wear and tear on book, and then it's just well, this Chris, domino effect. Mikel guards point guards more often than not. Yeah, yeah, and that's what covered Chris's inabilities in some respects. There, Max, uh, Kevin, like teams will pay him. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, I can't, I can't escape it. Go ahead. <laughs> I think. Okay, let's go down the list. Chris Paul, let's say he's gone for a month. What do you do, Kellen? Oh, actually, you could uh, move Alfred Payton into the starting lineup and operate exactly the same. Oh, wow. I didn't think about that. And campaign does the same thing off the bench. Maybe he plays more minutes, but I like that. DA gets hurt for a month. JaVale McGee, exact same thing. Then I guess Jalen Smith's going to have to play ball moving five or something. Frank can do that, obviously. So, I I mean, that's ready to go um to your alfred point really quick before we escape that monty has brought up time after time his weak side defense and just how excellent it is that's mikhail's guarding the point guard that's where he'd be yeah i like that idea by me thanks good job by you (laughs) um yeah i mean crowder plug in cam johnson um book again i think I mean, the the preseason was a little look at that where, like, Landry was playing in his spot, and obviously that takes away a huge, huge part of, okay, shot clock winding down guy, late in the game guy. Um, Chris can take on some of that. Maybe Mikel. You, I mean, at, in the playoffs, Mikel started taking more responsibility, running off screens, catching, making the reads. Um, so I, I think they're pretty well equipped, and I, I think if you're James Jones – Obviously, continuity was the big theme this offseason. And then after that, it's like, okay, let's do more to plan around. Chris Paul does get hurt in the playoffs. We had to figure that situation out. If DA is out, why, what, what do you do as far as the rim protection? So, I don't know, man. Yeah, I think they're, they're pretty well equipped to handle lots of different things. I think the bench is going to destroy teams like it did last year for the most part. Yeah. And I think that when I look at sustainability, injury, how can they stay afloat, I think the number one thing is not losing that dynamic they have as a team to where if the starters are getting off to slow starts again like last year and the start of next year, it's like, don't worry, the bench is here and they'll they'll get you an eight-point lead when you come back on the floor. Because I, there were times where I was tweeting during games, I'm like, Book is getting extra rest, and the Suns is because the Suns' lead is going up while he sits. So if if Cam Johnson misses time, if Cam Payne misses time, if Javale McGee misses time, that's where because I think like especially from the preseason, you don't want to read in the preseason too much, but there's clearly like a 
he's got a connection already with like Cam Johnson and campaign and like just having that rim runner available for dump offs and, and lobs for these guys who love to attack the basket is going to be a huge difference for them. So I think if you lose that a little bit, you still bring in Frank for Jabell, that's fine. But then you go from like Cam to like Dooley being the first wing off the bench, and that's where you yeah. lose a bit. I, I think Abdul Nader is like perfectly fine as like your fourth wing on a team, and this is where we talk about last year in the trade deadline where I was like, "Do you want the Suns to have the absolutely perfect roster and like that has no flaws?" Because that's what you're asking for almost at that point. Shamit is a guy where okay, that's that's where you look, and it's like okay, if you lose one of those four guards and you bring it down to three, I think that's okay, and then. Peyton comes in for one of the three-point guards, but if you lose Booker or Shamit, I think that dynamic and you're playing more three wings, I think like they their system works better when there's two guards on the floor at all times, even yeah. though like three-wing lineups are cool and you like to see them from time to time. Or you play campaign more as a backup too. Monty mentioned know. that Jay plays some five for them too. Yeah. And it's like you could you could scale down. And then like if there's just um if if Jay misses time and like you're looking at like the four and you're like does Cam play the four? It's like that's where Jalen Smith can come in and you can see what you have with him. I think they're just really well equipped to hold up if injuries come the way people are talking about them, which is like they didn't have like a guy who missed time for like six weeks or eight weeks or and like we can't sit here and talk about if guys miss the entire year because then we are talking about utter nonsense, which yeah. is the point of the conversation, which I don't get. It's like are you supposed to talk about every team? Sustainability a through guy? a season and a playoff run. Yeah. Good there. You think we covered that for the most part? Okay. I think what we kind of hit on here and going again, this is kind of me reading and listening to other people talk about the team and not being as high on me and looking for where there are disagreements and such i think the big one for me improvement and to go back to the same word sustainability from ayton bridges johnson and Payne. i think they were the four guys who had a major jump in their game last year compared to the year before i mean if you think about mikel just from like a shooting perspective and then i think defensively he got better obviously the off the dribble stuff was way there Cam Johnson, I mean, it's just his rookie year to his second year. He was awesome at the end of the playoffs. And then campaign is an obvious one as well. DA is an obvious one as well. Do you have any concerns is a heavy word, but do you have any trepidation towards any of those four guys? Um, I, not only being able to sustain the way they played last year, but potentially improve because that's what they're looking for from those four guys. And then Book is obviously the we're done talking about <laughs> if Devin Booker's going to improve or not. He's done it six years in a row. He's going to add something new to his game this year that we're going to be talking about, like his defense last year. Like it's, uh, it's just on and on and on. The three on. well enough to hit. <laughs> oh, okay, here we go. Well, that that'll be what he adds. That's probably it. So he'll probably shoot running on options. He'll probably there. shoot thirty eight or thirty nine from three this year. Honestly, that's a good call. Uh, so Who are the any, four guys again? Uh, Aiden Bridges, Johnson, and Payne. Do you worry at all that they will be able to sustain what they did last year and, and then more so improve? Do you have trepidation is the word I used? Are you trepidatious at all? Oh, who's... I feel like DA's uh, the obvious, like, I just worry if... Because, like, you would like him to take steps forward, and I, it's not necessarily the contract situation, however that goes. To me, it's just whether he gets it or not... Um, does he regress in any way? Because there are a lot of ways for him actually to regress, and a lot of it is just like his... He he obviously wants to do more. He wants to take on more. Tougher for him, too, and I worry, to those guys. Yeah, like, 
Because of the role of a big man, to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like Joel Embiid had to do more, take threes, uh, run the offense through him, and the efficiency numbers maybe weren't there because he obviously was playing with Ben Simmons, and then after that it was like a a complimentary cast. But DA is more of the complimentary cast when you talk about Book and CP3. So... I think not necessarily that's an ego thing, but I think Monty has a tough job as far as giving him more where he where DA feels like I'm taking more responsibility and I'm growing my game versus um, I'm just doing the big man stuff that I already proved I've done. Like I, I think that's a really tough job for Monty, and, and that's not to say DA is necessarily wrong or selfish or anything like that, but it's just how you deal with guys who are really good and have skill sets that they want to show it's a really good way of putting it and it's the biggest challenge for i i lean on this too much it must be annoying to hear a lot but i say from our perspective a lot but assuming the obvious things we know where you're a coach and you're coming off of a huge season and the biggest challenge for money from the way that we look at the game more which is what you were talking about is implementing those guys more like it uh, in the preseason looked like Mikel mm-hmm. looked like a whole lot of Mikel he took 18 shots in that second preseason game a whole lot and like his attitude as well like as soon as he catches it in the corner he's exploding out of there if he doesn't think he's shooting the ball so and and guys are like guys are not really there are sometimes where he could have actually shot threes and he just went anyway and the guy closing out on it was like what in the world why aren't you sh-? and he's already gone um I, I think that I think that all four of those guys have such a good foundation of being players who fit the system and are capable defensively at the very least, where I'm talking about, like, I think campaign is a fine average defender and can be pretty good. Mikel, obviously great. DA, obviously great. And I think Cam's good, and that's where he could even improve uh, more and, and be great. And I think he's shown that he's got the potential to. I think that the foundation that they have for that, plus their skills that they do well already. I think campaign, I guess, is the one guy I look at where you look at how the Bucks eradicated him from this, this, the series, essentially. Is he going to be higher on the scouting report? Are people going to be more familiar with him? He's going to have to change his game a little bit. But then I look at the way he was running a two-man game with JaVale, and I was like, oh, he's yeah, uh, a downhill slashing point guard like that with a mobile diving big man who finishes everything because he's the largest human you've ever seen, pretty much. Um, it just it works there. I think DeAndre is the, is is the one for me as well to what you were saying because can he still remain like nails just solid at all of these little things that they're asking him to do without them granting him much outside of like there will probably be like Monty mentioned at the end of the fourth game he was like I really liked that little stretch where we went to DA where we went to him in the post a couple of times. And I think he's going to get more of those opportunities for sure. But in terms of how Cam is like handling a two-man game with JaVale, Mikel's exploding out of the corner, and then he's being booked in some book sets, it's like, I don't know if he's going to... He, he just can't get those types of opportunities as a big man, especially with this team and how many ball handlers they have now that are capable. So I I, I don't see any regression there. I just I don't really see it possible. I think DA is the obvious one. Um, and then pe- for people who are on the camp of like he's not worth the max or they're saying this conversation we're having saying oh well why is he worth the max if that's the kind of thing it's just 
the big man that that's a really difficult role. I don't think people understand how hard it is to be good at what he's being good at right now because people see the way he moves, how big he is, and think it's simple like oh, just work hard and rebound and dunk everything and set screens hard and you'll be it's easy. It's really hard, and he's figuring out the nuances of it. And if he improves, which again, to cite our really f- up close in pers- impression of this team Kevin compared to some national opinions that are coming we have seen all four of these guys improve immensely since they got here you think about like just where Mikel was as a rookie compared to now DeAndre Cam and then the other Cam campaign as well like they've just improved so much that I just I cannot see DeAndre regressing with how much he's improved year to year and how much he pays attention to nuance and stuff like even that. if he's falling asleep he'll be more in tune with what's happening and things will be just reactionary instead of thinking and that's where to me like it's going to be weird because in one uh, on one hand they've had like a month or two off i don't know what how long it was on the other um like they went deep into the playoffs and improved so much then i'm just curious like when they do play like the Orlando Magic or the Cleveland Cavaliers or the Houston Rockets this season. Like, I- I'm curious about those games more because I yeah. think those measuring s- those will be more measuring sticks as far as oh my god, this team is in a completely different place than when the regular season ended last year. To me, those are the games that I'm like early on at least. Yeah, the Nuggets and Lakers, whatever. Like you split those, you look fine. You look like yourself even if you lose both of those. But against the other teams that they did not play deep into the postseason, I'm just curious to see if they're really just separating themselves from those types of teams. Chris Paul teams tend to do it, man. I'm just, I don't have a worry. I don't have a worry with that guy when it comes to showing up for those. But I, I definitely agree with you and think that that is something to their progress there and their attitude change, perhaps, is the right way to say. Like they're a very focus driven work team but just like the the next level that they could reach like you're saying i wrote a lot of words on this kevin already on the site on arizonasports.com about dario sarch's absence and how i believe the teams one of the team's biggest strengths actually is its big man group i asked monty williams just deadpan do you think this is the deepest group of big men you've had as a coach and he did the he said yes uh Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then because he was going through his head and he was like, oh, yeah, Frank, Jalen. And like he started at DeAndre Javel and then was like, oh, yeah, yeah, those guys. So Frank said the same thing. He's like, absolutely. Like we've got so many different options that we can throw people. And I just wrote a lot about this, how Frank is an undervalued guy on this team because he just sees the game in a way that fits really well on this team. Um, Chris Paul called him a quarterback. He said he's an amazing quarterback. And that's just because of the way that he quarterbacks. You think about them throwing the ball and passing it Kevin but what they're doing is they're reading you know this you're the football guy and I mean reading defenses and stuff and that's what Frank does uh so I won't go anymore but I believe they're in a fine position to I I see some people docking the suns down a bit because Dario's hurt and um I I think they're going to miss him obviously but I think they are in a better position to replace him than just about any team potentially could have been who's what number on the roster if we ranked one through 15 is Frank 13 okay so the five starters then they go Mm -hmm. nine then they go nine deep after that um i'm going somewhere here but 11 12 
How many people do they have? I should know Nader, that. Nader's 10, Na- I guess. Yeah, Nader Alfred or Frank, and then that's where you go from there. So 11, 10. Anyway, he was playing fine in the finals. Yes. In the last, when they finally After had After sitting for two games, he did not play. He Whatever he is, if he's 10 through 13 and you're ranking of the people on this roster, that's the dude who was like, oh, that guy kind of helped in the NBA finals. Monty tried him in game three, was like, eh. Yeah. Sat him for two games, and then he came back in game six and played great. Swung the game for them. They were going to get blown out in that game, if not for him in campaign. Yeah. Anyway, this is a deep team. That's <laughs> what I was getting at. Very deep, Kevin. I think they're fine. It's an interesting conversation I wanted to have with you because I'm not really sure where I stand. Do you think this team is better on offense or defense? That's a good question. I Ooh, I think they're... I think they're better on defense. I think they're going to be a top five defense in the league, maybe top three. Where are they ranking at the end of last year? So know? last year, if you'll remember correctly, there was the stat that went around that like in the last six weeks of the season, they were 23rd in defensive rating or whatever, and people were like, oh God, are they like regressing as a team defensively? And that was a reason some people picked, didn't pick them to beat the Lakers and, and all that kind of stuff. But I believe they still this ended the year. This is cheating that I'm asking before answering the question. the top but... 10, but go ahead. I'll tell you. I... I actually think they're better on offense, but... Okay, that's fair. I think they're a top eight team in both respects. Seventh in offense last year, and sixth in defense. Hey! They were very close to being top five in both. Yeah. They were really good last year, Kevin. I don't know where... (laughs) (laughs) Hello? (laughs) I don't know. It's the same team. 50 and a half, man. That's crazy. Everyone that... Look. Yeah. All right. Yeah. If you're not driving by every freaking billboard you see with FanDuel, DraftKings, all this stuff, I recommend FanDuel, personally. Wow. I wonder if that has a, what a company man here. If you go to ArizonaSports.com, you'll see why I said that. Uh, <laughs> win total, Kevin. What are you going to say? I think I'll go flat 60. That's what I was going to say, too. Yeah. I think they win 60 games. I think They're, they're going to get bored at some point and lose a couple games. It's going to be whatever. I think they're going to have the best regular season record in the league, and I don't think anyone is going to be there is really lots of parody, yeah. in the discussion because of the parity, but I think that they are a very deep team that is well-equipped to endure the type of season they are looking at off a short layoff. I think they have one of the best point guards of all time. I would argue even better. They have a borderline top-ten player in the league, like I've said. And they've got a really, really, really deep team beyond those two guys. Really deep. I don't think people realize, like, 3-9, to nine, how deep they are compared to the rest of the league. It is not even close with some teams that are going to be really good. There are some teams, Kevin, they're going to win 50 games this year, and their 3-9 to nine is laughable. And this isn't just a Lakers thing. that are laughable compared to their 3-9. through nine. Yeah. Yeah, 60. They did this last year. I'm, not, no one... I'm not obligated. Uh, I'm not in a position to bet on these things, but... Boy, mortgage <laughs> payments and such, Kevin. Be careful out there, but at the same time, oh boy, opportunity cost. Economics. Yeah, it would it would have to be the contracts being a distraction, a significant injury. I don't see how. Yeah. Any other like closing thoughts? Is there anything specific? I think one thing we didn't mention that maybe not a lot of people are talking about are coaching turnover and how I think oh, yeah. Kevin Young steps up more into Willie Green's role. Willie Green was primarily in charge of the defense. That's where Gates comes in, I believe, quite a bit. But I... Jared I Jack. 
Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Do you remember those teams? It was like him, Will Bynum, and there was like another guard. Anyway, I became a Georgia Tech fan like because of that crew for some reason. Really? Yes. That's fun. I was on uh, Villanova before. Um, okay. I can't remember their names, so that's probably not a good sign <laughs> for how much of a Villanova fan I was. But I was talking about this with, some, with people waiting in the lobby uh, for practice a couple days ago. Like college basketball is just not the same anymore no. with transfer portal and one and duns and all this kind of stuff. Like I was talking about, like AC Law, Brandon Roy, like Ooh. all these guys who were just no matter how they pan on the NBA or not, were just like superstars and they were around for two, three years. And and we just don't get those guys. Uh, my closing thought, Kevin, on that sixty, I'm gonna throw you eleven numbers: forty four, fifty three, sixty five, fifty one, fifty three, fifty six, fifty seven, fifty six, forty, forty six, and fifty one. Those are the amount of games that Chris Paul has won each season in the last oh. eleven years. <laughs> I thought you were gonna ask me a question about them, and I was gonna be like, I'm not gonna answer that, dude. He's not gonna let these guys stagnate. It's not gonna happen. They're gonna win sixty games, Kevin. Do you think they'll? Do you think they'll win the finals? We'll go. We'll go the step further. I didn't have that in the notes. I don't. I don't either. I think those two East teams are monsters. They're just a year or two away with the younger. Don't guys. even care what happens to Kyrie. I think that team's really good. Ah, Kevin Durant might be the best basketball player in the world. And I'm someone who usually says it's always LeBron James, but yeah. he might be there right now. And then that. By the way, we just saw like one of like the seven or eight best finals performances ever by someone on the other team that could come out of there yeah it's tough and then by the way kevin no one talking about this i'm gonna spoil this we're gonna have written content coming in the next couple of days like season previews and stuff i'm picking joel Embiid to win mvp did everyone forget the year he had last year crazy like he was neck and neck with yoga for mvp for some reason they just didn't have the juice don't know why i think he's gonna be even better this year i really do if he stays healthy but that's that that is Joel Embiid. If he stays healthy, that was his name when he came in the league. It will be his name when he exits the league. All right, pal. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. Please try and relax as much as you can this weekend. I know you are like me. Every time a Twitter notification comes in, you're waiting to see if it is the Twitter notification you have been waiting for. For different reasons, for me, obviously, like oh, do I have to go do a bunch of work right now? But for you guys looking for that relief. Try and find it where you can this weekend and relax. Try not to be too pent up because I sense the energy on the timeline and it's just better off if we panic when we need to, which if we need to, we'll be here Monday afternoon. Uh, If we don't need to, we'll be here Monday afternoon to talk about the deals that do get done. We'll talk to you guys then. Season starts Wednesday. See ya.